Uh, it is a real delight uh, to introduce to you a very long friend, very close friend of mine, uh, the Reverend Aaron Zimmerman, who is the uh, Associate Rector for Discipleship and Family Ministry at St. Martin's Church uh, in Houston, Texas. Uh, Aaron has um, been an overseas missionary in Kazakhstan. He is uh, a graduate of Harvard and worked at uh, the Harvard Business School and also at Heinz Company. And he has also uh, served time in, uh, I mean, uh, served in ministry in uh, Sewickley, uh, Pennsylvania as well. So, Aaron, it is just a real delight to uh, be reunited with you and have you uh, here at the Advent. Aaron's going to preach to us after we sing hymn number 470. Let us pray. Almighty God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Our reading for today is from the book of Acts, the 26th chapter, beginning in the first verse. So Agrippa said to Paul, You have permission to speak for yourself. Then Paul stretched out his hand and made his defense. I consider myself fortunate that it is before you, King Agrippa, I am going to make my defense today against all the accusations of the Jews. My manner of life from my youth, spent from the beginning among my own nation and in Jerusalem, is known by all the Jews. They have known for a long time, if they are willing to testify, that according to the strictest party of our religion, I have lived as a Pharisee. I myself was convinced that I ought to do many things in opposing the name of Jesus of Nazareth, and I did so in Jerusalem. I not only locked up many of the saints in prison after receiving authority from the chief priests, but when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. And I punished them often in all the synagogues and tried to make them blaspheme. And in raging fury against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. In this connection, I journeyed to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests. At midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven brighter than the sun that shone around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. And I said, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. The word of the Lord. Well, I want to begin by thanking Dean Limehouse and the clergy and staff here at the cathedral for inviting me. Um, It is a privilege and an honor to stand here in the pulpit that has uh, been host to people who have had a large impact on my life. I've heard about this place many times, and uh, it's a joy to be here with you today. Uh, As Joe said, he's known me since I was about 13 years old, and really you owe a debt of gratitude to him. I was a mess. Um, But he came alongside, um, took me to the tattoo removal parlor, and uh, cleaned me up, and here I stand before you today. Um, I should let you know that there is a uh, steady stream in the past of clergy coming from this church 
to St. Martin's in Houston. Larry Gibson, your former dean, was the rector of St. Martin's. And lots of clergy from here and from uh, this diocese and from the city have come to St. Martin's. So just as a word of warning, uh, I recommend salary increases for all your clergy here. Just really lock them down. My message today is that Christianity is for sinners. Maybe that doesn't sound strange to you, but there are a lot of people for whom those words would sound a little odd, not in line with their assumptions about what Christianity is and who it's for. For example, do you know about these targeted Bibles? There's, if you go into a Christian bookstore, there's a massive section of Bibles. And they have created Bibles with titles like the Teen Study Bible, the Study Bible for Business Leaders, the Bible for Moms, the Bible for Soldiers, the Bible for College Students, the Bible for Civil War Reenactors. I mean, they have one for everyone. I prepared today's sermon with the Desperate Episcopal Clergy Bible. You know, there is an understandable and at times necessary desire to tailor the message for a specific audience that has its place. But we run into trouble if we begin to think that Christianity has some different message for a stay-at-home mom versus a man versus a teenager versus, uh, you know, uh, a Pilates instructor, the Lululemon Bible. Uh, Five people get that joke. We begin to think of Jesus as a personal coach or a consultant who comes alongside you to offer some very specific advice for your situation uh, to make you a better mom or dad or plumber or CEO or whatever. No. Christianity is not for up-and-comers trying to bolster their identity. Christianity is for sinners. Prove it? Well, Jesus did say it. I've come not to call the righteous, but sinners. But I want to do a case study with you this morning from our reading from the book of Acts, particularly to look at the life of St. Paul. The book of Acts is the fifth book of the New Testament. You begin with four gospels, four biographies of Jesus. You have the evangelists carved into the pulpit in front of me, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the writers of those Gospels. But immediately after that, you have the book of Acts. It's a book of church history. What happened after Jesus left? What did these uh, somewhat confused, uh, surprised, uh, underqualified men and women in the early church do? And that's what you have in the book of Acts. One of the main characters is St. Paul, who began his life as Saul. A Jew, a Pharisee, as he described in our reading. He was a hotshot, an up-and-coming young Jewish leader when this heretical Jesus Christ movement began. And he made it his business to put a stop to it. Much later, after many events, which I'll talk about in a moment, he was in jail... And he was a prisoner of Rome, and he was making his defense to King Agrippa, as you heard in our reading. And this is how he describes his life. 
prior to his conversion. I myself was convinced I ought to do many things in opposing the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And I did so in Jerusalem. I not only locked up many of the saints in prison after receiving authority from the chief priests, but when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. And I punished them often in all the synagogues and tried to make them blaspheme. And in raging fury against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. And it was when Paul was on his way to Damascus to do more of the same, this raging fury driving him to stamp out this movement of people who followed Jesus of Nazareth. He was going to arrest them and hopefully see a number of them executed. And of course, we heard him say that it was at that moment that the risen Jesus Christ appeared to him in a vision, knocked him to the ground, and then recruited Paul to join his team. Paul became a missionary, a church planter, an evangelist, traveled all over the known world, and in his spare time, wrote half the books of the New Testament. What have you done lately? (laughs) Paul would later look back on his entire life before knowing Christ as a waste. Rubbish, he would say. Quite a change in this man. What does Paul's story mean? Well, first, it means, as I've said, that Christianity is for sinners. I want you to take note of the fact that Jesus Christ appeared to Paul when he was precisely and energetically opposing God's purposes. Paul thought God was on his side. Paul was convinced he was doing God's will and acting against the Christian movement. But all his supposed good works were actually evil, directly opposed to Jesus Christ. He thought he was earning gold stars, but every moment he was getting another demerit. We don't always know what's good and what's bad. We often get it wrong, and Paul certainly did. What Paul's experience shows us is that our fitness for God's purposes is God's business. By our standards, Paul was the worst choice. If you knew God was looking for someone to take the gospel to the Gentiles, to be this incredible theologian and missionary, to really um, have such a key role in spreading Christianity to the whole world, would you pick someone who hated Christianity? Would you pick someone who was killing Christians? Would you pick someone from the wrong religion? Paul was God's choice. Because our acceptance, our okayness with God, is by God's grace, not by our works. Paul was not chosen by God because he was doing the right thing. As I said, Paul was moving in active opposition to God's purposes. But apparently that was just fine for Jesus. God chose him. Do you know anyone actively 
going against God's agenda? Anyone in your family who refuses to come to church even on Christmas and Easter? Do you know anyone who's angry, in raging fury? Who do you know that rejects God? Well, they are not beyond God's reach, is what Paul shows us. Christianity is for sinners. The other thing this passage shows us is the good news that Jesus is rude. You know, there's this image in popular culture that Jesus is this very nice guy. You know, we imagine him with a a voice a little bit like Mike Tyson or Michael Jackson. You know, very soft-spoken. And uh, thank you, Joe, for chuckling. Um, I encourage all of you to go on YouTube when you get home today and you can see what I'm talking about. You know, Jesus is is a nice guy. You know, a little Mr. Rogers. Um, Maybe that connects more. Um, I once heard a sermon where the preacher said that Jesus is a gentleman. He will not barge into your life uninvited. You have to open the door to your heart. And of course, we've all seen that great work of the canon of Western art, Jesus knocking at the door. Well, maybe there's something to that. But you certainly can't get there from this reading today. Jesus barges in, uninvited and unwanted. Christ has never stood on ceremony or cared much for protocol. He threw Paul into the dirt, this respectable religious leader. Jesus is a lot of things, but I don't think he's much of a gentleman. Paul was not open. He didn't open the door to Jesus knocking. Paul did not prepare. He was not spiritually open. He was actively working against God. And Jesus picked picked him. Jesus' love is a fierce one. And our little walls and towers cannot keep him out. Our defenses are like sandcastles before an oncoming wave. He means to bring and build his kingdom and he will do what he wills. This is very good news. Because it means that God can get through to you and people on whom you've given up. It means your sin is not a barrier to entry for God. It means that God can get to you when you are running as fast as you can in the wrong direction. And I don't care how long you've known Jesus, if you've known him for a while, there's always a part of your heart that is running the wrong way. This is what the cross is about. As St. Paul would write in his letter to the Romans, chapter 5, verse 8, While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we had faked our resume and lied about our pedigree and been complete hypocrites, Christ died for us. See Christ hanging on the cross as he is portrayed before you here, surrounded by people who didn't deserve his love. People that were spitting on him, mocking him, 
and rejecting him. And he willingly went to that cross. This is how God works in your life. You know that you weren't looking for him. Or you weren't looking for him as he is. You may have been looking for a divine bellhop to meet your needs. Yet he found you. He worked on you. And some of you may have questions about free will and how we cooperate with God. That's a very popular phrase these days, cooperation with God. And maybe those are good questions to ask. But today, look at the life of St. Paul and think about the very good news that God is powerful and loving and not concerned at all about those little roadblocks you may have put up to keep him out. He is fully capable of reaching you in your impossible situation and doing the same for other people you know in impossible situations. Many Christians feel so discouraged because they've forgotten the fact that Christianity is for sinners. They begin to think Christianity is for people who have their act together, for people who look like those folks that come with the picture frame. You know, when you buy a a picture frame, there's already a photo in it. Those people are so happy. They, they never have a crying child in those photos. They never show a couple that looks distant but is staying together for the sake of the kids. You know, that's never in the picture frame. And many Christians feel disillusioned because their life doesn't match the picture frame of what a Christian is supposed to be. And so they feel like God is some goal that they're trying to reach, the spiritual life is this thing, they're they're always trying to reach him, but he's always just out of their grasp, it seems to be receding ever more distant. And Lent can be one of those times, the season in which we now find ourselves, where we, we feel that even more keenly, the need to get dressed up for God so that he'll approve of us, trying to get rid of those certain things, or take on those certain things. It's like that song by Amy Mann. You may know her. She was the vocalist for Till Tuesday, which had, I think, one hit in the 80s. But Amy Mann has gone on to have this incredible career as a singer-songwriter. She has a song about a person whose life is sort of a mess, and the chorus of the song says, I'm going to get cleaned up for Christmas. You know, maybe this time I can be sober for a little while. I'm going to get cleaned up for Christmas. And we do that in Lent, too. We're going to get cleaned up for Jesus uh, so that he can give us a thumbs up. But what Paul's story shows us is that the work of cleaning us up is his job. Again, let that sink in that Paul was fighting Jesus with every fiber of his being when Jesus picked him and converted him and gave him a role as a leader in his church. 
So if you want to get ready for God, if you want to get cleaned up for him, if you want to get ready for his purposes, St. Paul gives us a very different picture of what that looks like. God's work is to save sinners. He begins the work, he continues the work, and he finishes it. It's his job. Christianity is for sinners, which is another way of saying Christianity is for you. Let us pray. Almighty God, you have made us, you see us, you know us. I ask you to have mercy on all of us, that your peace, which passes all understanding, would keep us, would surround us, and that we would know that peace that comes from your blood shed on the cross, not because of our own merit. We ask your blessing in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.